0: Greetings with gratitude, grateful to be here and be among all of you in this community. It's been therapeutic being here for a few months. Most of you know when when, uh, people ask me how I am, I usually say I'm grateful, but it wasn't always that way. I used to say I'm becoming. People would say, what are you becoming? And I would say I'm becoming like Jesus, but the process is taking longer than anticipated. I do have some notes I have to do this morning. Um, We live in the sea of words. I don't know if you've noticed that, but uh, there are a lot of words in this community. And so if you can imagine the Pacific and the Atlantic combined, I bring you a little offering this morning of what we have. My favorite story from the... uh, New Testament becomes a framework, if you will, for much of my life. It was those three guys who were waiting in line, four guys, that were waiting in in line to take their friend. The line was long. It was getting dark. You might remember this, Mark chapter 2. How many remember this? This is helpful, you know, little audience participation, right? And one of the guys gets an idea, and he says, I have an idea. And he has to persuade the other guys to do something they have never done before, something that was a little dramatic, but they were moved by their own love and desperation to get their friend to be experiencing Jesus. And so, as you know, one of them suggested, I think we should go through the roof. Now, I don't know how the others responded, but eventually the leader persuaded the others to do something they'd never done. They had risk. They had innovation, they had ingenuity, they had creativity, and I want to be that guy. And that's how I see mission, with risk and innovation and creativity and ingenuity. Yes, he did go through the roof of Bob's house, and he had to deal with Bob later. But nevertheless, the man was lowered down, and he was able to experience the magic of the words, which is easier. You know this story, right? And I want to be that guy. This morning, of course, our text comes from Exodus chapter 3, but uh, we'll start with a little review. Um, Moses is on the mountain, tending the flock of Jethro. He's on the west side of the wilderness, so it says. And uh, he's doing what I think he knows he's supposed to be doing at that time. And I would like to offer to all of you that I believe that if we are seeking to hear the voice of God in our life, it begins with doing what, we're alre- what we already know we're supposed to be doing. That is, walking in the light that we already have. And God will speak to us in that place. But let us review. As you know, uh, chapter 1, a king arose that didn't know Joseph. They had, they had increased in number. The Israelites were becoming very numerous and the king, the pharaoh, was motivated by fear and began to oppress the Israelites. Am I in the right group you remember this story? I'm not making this up, right? Okay. So, as it turns out, leaders who are motivated by fear often do oppress the people. And, of course, he issued the edict, unthinkable, that all the firstborn of the Israelite, The boys should be killed, thrown into the river. An unimaginable horror as we look back at that. Imagine a world in which, or in that world, I think that's now called abortion. Imagine a world where that was happening. And of course, the midwives were not in line with the plan. So Pharaoh had to go to them personally. And said to them, listen, ladies, uh, you're doing something wrong. And they, of course, responded in my grandmother's voice, Pharaoh, you don't understand Jewish women. I love it. They were able to maneuver this thing in a way that expressed the fear of God. And God gave them a promise. The promise was, Zach, help me with this, they will have families. God gave them, you know this, Huh? Eh, eh. God gave them families of their own. And so the fear of God is significant in the story. Well, we get to the end of chapter one, beginning of chapter two, and a baby is born to a Levite family. Imagine the fear of this family as they hid this child for three months. And eventually, they put the child in a basket. When I was in synagogue growing up, I'm from the Jewish community, we'd make these in Sunday school, these little baskets. We'd put the pitch and you know, we'd put it in the water. Just kind of have a visual of this. And it went down the river, and who should find this baby? But one of Pharaoh's daughter's attendants. And, of course, the baby is crying, and they bring the baby to Pharaoh's uh, daughter, and she decides to go and call somebody to find a way to nurse this baby. And we look at this story, and we, we look at it with awe and excitement and say, wow. What an amazing occurrence, almost equally amazing to the story you and I will hear about our own lives when we're on the other side, and the unique miracle that God fashioned for every one of us in the infinite wisdom of God. But as the story goes on, Moses grows up, and something is happening in him, something is disturbing him. Something is bothering him, and he doesn't know what to do with that. Am I in the right group? Do you get this? When something is bothering us, and we don't know what to do with that. And what is that something? He is seeing injustice. And he's seeing this merciless oppression. And he he doesn't know what to do with that. And one day, he loses control. Rage takes over, and he does the unthinkable. He kills another human being. And, of course, he's found out. You know the story. He tries to break up a fight the next day, and they they discover, he discovers that they know about this, and he begins to run. Did you guys ever see that movie? That was a great movie. But I digress. So he's running, and he's running, and he's running, and he finally lands in in the land of... Oh right, yes, we're on a roll, and so he's. Um, and the first thing he does there is he kind of uses this this sense of justice and injustice to kind of give some justice to the women who have always experienced this sense of oppression by the shepherds, who kind of made them wait for the water. And he, I don't know how this happened, I would like to get the film of this, but he kind of intervenes, and and they get the water, and they come home early, and the father says, you're home early. And they say, yes, there was a man that that kind of arranged things differently today. And and the father says, well, why don't you invite him over for dinner? I like this, this is really just in my lifestyle, you know. And so, of course, that's the background. Oh, I need a clicker here. Uh, right Uh, yeah we're on the right slide and this is the end of chapter 2 the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac and with Jacob God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them and that's the that's the backstory, And now Moses is, is, a, is back. He's, 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 he's tending the flock of Jeth- Jethro. We've, we've just done review in case you guys weren't following me. And, and now he's tending the flock of Jethro. He's doing, as I said a few minutes earlier, what he already knows he's supposed to be doing. The place in which I offer God can speak, we can hear. And something gets his attention. Thank you. I knew there would be somebody here that took Old Testament. A bush. And he, 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 you know, he walks over. and He says, what is this thing? It's burning. It's on fire. What is this thing? And he hears the word, stop in the... N-. No, he said, he said, stop, right? He hears, and, and in this moment, God says to do what? Right. I don't have those. Oops. And I offer that in all likelihood in our journey as followers of Jesus there are places in which God does ask us to remove something. Something that we need to contend with and remove in order to get to the place where we can really hear what God wants to speak to us. And do not fall prey to thinking that somehow the voice of God is just for you. For indeed this story illustrates so well that God speaks not just for the sake of Moses. And so he hears, he hears something that maybe hasn't been spoken audibly in his life. I am the God of your father. The God of your fathers Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Something is happening to Moses in this moment. We, the story doesn't tell us anything. But I can imagine there is something converging. Some kind of an awakening. Something is going on in this man's life. As he's hearing the audible. Auto- I don't know if you've ever experienced this because I've never had. But let me tell you. When you hear God audibly speak your voice. Christopher, Christopher. It, something happens to you. And something is happening to Moses. And it's monumental. It's monumental. And of course, Moses does remove his sandals. He hears God speak who God is. And then we hear something that hasn't been spoken in 400 years. And now God speaks. I have indeed seen the affliction of my people. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I am concerned about their suffering and I am coming down. Who is this God? What is this gospel? This is the one who sees the affliction of people. Who hears them crying out because of their oppression and poverty and slave drivers. The God who is concerned about suffering human beings. The God who is coming. Who is this God? For I have seen the affliction of my people people, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. For the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. I am concerned about their suffering. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And I am come, I am coming to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Who is this God and what is this gospel? And what happens to you when you hear these words? I have come to rescue them. Well, I can tell you what happened to me. Because there's something in me, may I suggest it is Christ in me that wants to rescue people. Is that something in you? Your heart is so moved and you want to rescue people? When I was a younger believer, that was a negative thing. People told me you shouldn't want to rescue anybody. But now as I'm older, I realize this too is the image of God in us. The desire to rescue And what do you do with those dreams to rescue others? What do you do with those crazy, innovative ingenuity, the desires that God puts in you? Where do you go with those things to rescue the poor who cried for help? Or the fatherless who have none to assist them. Where do you go with those things? Where do you take those things? For the spirit of Joel prophesies. Young men will dream dreams. And old men will see vision. God puts those dreams in us. I am Jewish. I was apprehended by God at the age of 16, brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, delivered from real bondage and drug abuse. I was the victim and the victimizer, selling drugs to seventh graders, LSD to eighth graders, the victim and the victimizer. And yet I was delivered from the domain of and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And the first thing that happened after I became a believer was the miracle of graduating high school. (laughs) Trust me, it was a miracle. And then God gave me the gift of naivete. Who wants this? Had I known then what I know now, I would have never started a shelter for the homeless in the basement of my own house. Are you kidding me? But God used my not knowing to get me to do something I would have never done if I had known what I was doing. Now I'm going to rewind that tape. Remember tape? God used my not knowing to get me to do something I would have never done if I had known what I was doing. Enter the world of faith. But God uses our naivete. It's a French word, if you not know, it's naivete. And here we are in this journey together. I have seen the affliction of my people, I have heard them crying out. I am concerned about their suffering, and I have come to, to rescue them here is when I tell you that it is all information. It is all academic. It doesn't have any power. It doesn't have any transformational significance. Until we hear the next part of the conversation. And I, you know it, and I am sending you. And I'm sending you, Brian, and I'm sending you, Christine. You see, in my experience, it's all academic until God says something in the Brooklyn accent. Hey, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Something happens in us at that moment. Something begins to internally transpire. We look at things differently. We see things differently. We begin to direct our lives differently when we hear, I am sending you. And then it all begins to go off in us. The questions, the questions that I offer to you, when you start them, you carry them for the rest of your life. You start them, and you carry them for the rest of your life. Who am I? Who are you? What if they don't believe me? I can't. Oh, and the last isn't really a question, is it? But these are the things that we will ask if we are, if we are in the mission but they will not come to our attention if we're not. You see, once you and I receive that, I'm sending you, questions go off that we begin to wrestle with God. Let me just say, for the rest of your life. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? It's a natural reaction to the commissioning of God. And yet, God doesn't answer the question in the way that Moses was expecting. This is the nature of our relationship often. Let me say it again. God does not answer the question in the way that Moses was expecting. And I don't know how you're expecting it, but let me tell you, he was not expecting, I will be with you. And may I offer to you, dear brothers and sisters, that maybe the reason is that that is the primary ingredient for the mission of God not necessarily who we are what we've accomplished what we learn what our experiences are what we know but indeed is it not the presence of God in 33 of Exodus Moses and God are contending you know this don't you if you haven't seen it you should look at it And there's this exasperation as Moses is leading the people. And words flow out of Moses' mouth and say, unless your presence goes with us, do not send us from this place. There was a holy desperation. You are the air I breathe. There was a holy desperation. And may God, by the Spirit of God, cultivate that in all of us. Your holy presence living in us. Come on, you can do it with me. And I'm desperate for you. So may God, even today, cultivate for the presence of God as a primary ingredient. In the mission of God. Question number two. Who are you? We study it. We sing. But let me just suggest. That we cannot know it. We cannot know him. Could I say it this way? The knowing. Is in. the Going. That there's something happens in going that cannot happen any other way. Not a Bible study, not a classroom, not a sermon. Something happens in the going that cannot, that we come to these places of intimacy and reliance and trust and clarity in the going of who God is that cannot happen in another way. And another thing. We all live in a world in which we want the words to make sense in the sentence. But may I offer that the the sentence will not be complete except that it holds not just the information, not just the knowledge, not just the experience... But also the relationships with the very people we are going to. That until we have these relationships, the messiness of these, I remember once God says, I have not given you projects who are poor, I have given you friends. Unless we have these relationships, then we read it this way. But prove yourselves of the not hearers just dis- yourselves we cannot understand the sentences except that the words are filled in by actual human relationships with people who are struggling with suffering now go the third question of course is the question that we will get to let me say again these are interesting questions but we don't get to them emotionally until we are there and then we realize uh oh what if what if what if what if we put a lot of money into this what if we put a lot of time into this what if we've organized a lot of people to get together for this what happens at the end you know you get to the top of the ladder and it's leaning against the wrong wall right what happens at the end what happens is this is the question that we should be carrying it's a motivational question what if they don't believe me? And God answers the question with a question. I hate that. And God says, come on, come on, help me. What does God say? What's in your, you guys need to review these chapters. What's in your hand? And this is the starting place for mission. I mean, people tell me all the time they want to start a shelter for the homeless. need need to get a board of directors and get grants and hire staff and get a building. I'm like, how about just starting with your house? That's a sermon for another day. What's in your hand? Is it a car that you can drive people with? Is it a phone that you can call people on? What is in your hands? Maybe it's a particular talent you have. Maybe it's carpentry or plumbing. You could build a ramp for someone. The list is long. What's already in your hands? And then God says, Throw it down, and the grace of relinquishment will come. Throw it down. For Moses, it was a stick. And God turned that into something far beyond his wildest dreams. Throw it down, whatever it is. For me, it was a house. Throw it down, and let God turn it into something far better than you could ever conceive of. Throw it down. The next question, of course, is really not a question. It's whining. I, you ever, I tell you my country west, I wrote a country western song. It's good. Well, I can't do that, I can't do this. It's a longer song, but I'll just show you. (laughs) What is going on here? You and I are coming to these places of our limitations. We cannot visually see beyond our own capacity. And so we're answering God with the, I can't. Paul the Apostle in the book of Corinthians gives us another paradigm for looking at this. Three times I petitioned the Lord that this might depart. God said, you know what God said. I'm in the right group. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Now there is the most un-American thing I'm telling you this morning. The reality is that God will use our weaknesses in ways that we'll never discover God in our strength. I can't, I can't, I can't. In his case it was speaking. What is it in your case? That becomes kind of an excuse that you and God both know. and The Lord will work with you, even as he worked with Moses and sent him Aaron. God will work with you in whatever that thing is for the glory of God. Well, in the end, the last thing that happened, as you know, was... Oh, and I love the eloquence of the passage, if you get a chance to read it. Pardon your servant, Lord... I love this phrase. It's like, excuse me, I have to say something really. uh, Pardon your, you look it up, it's really interesting. Pardon your servant, Lord, but send someone else. Whoa, that's not where we want to go. Let me just offer you that is not where you want to go. The anger of the Lord burned against Moses at that point. You don't want to go there. But where do we want to go? We want to go to a willing spirit. This place more than anything in my life, cultivates within my soul a willing spirit, a willing and contrite heart, O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Let me have a slide on this, right? Yeah. That's where we want to go is a willing spirit. Brothers and sisters, let me just tell you that there has been nothing in my entire life that I can point to that is more significant than knowing that God could work through me. An ordinary Jewish drug dealer from Cleveland, Ohio. That God could redeem me and work through me. Nothing is more meaningful than to know and experience that. And I hope that's your story as well. A willing spirit, O God, thou wilt not despise. And what can God do with a willing spirit? Combined with our education and experience, we become a vessel of honor, fit for the Master's use. We learn what it means to worship the Father in spirit. And in truth. And we gain the mind of Christ. Which continually says something like. Here I am. Send me. My last last story this morning. A man makes an appointment to see what he has heard. To be one of the most sophisticated oil refineries in the world. He's read about it in magazines, seen it on television, saw documentaries. So he arrives on the day and is met by the public relations staff, dressed up, taking him into room after room after room, introducing him to people who have a commitment to excellence and integrity. And he goes through this long tour and watches the process of what happens in this place, and is stunned and amazed. And he gets to the end of the tour, and things are wrapping up. And the public relations staff are smiling and happy to have provided the tour. And the man says, "Um, wait a minute, the tour can't be over. You haven't shown me your shipping department there was an, a long awkward silence as the public relations official said something like well uh uh well uh sir actually uh um we um we we <clears throat> we don't have a shipping department what says the man, what, 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 wait a minute. You could see the anger and intensity coming to his face as he, as he looks in the eyes of these people who have, have just given him a tour of men and women committed to excellence and integrity, working to produce a product unparalleled in the world. He looks with anger and he says, wait a minute, what do you mean you don't have a shipping department? What do you possibly do with all the oil that you refine here? And in an awkward silence, the shipping, the, the, the public relation official says, uh, as they bow their heads, they say, Well, sir, um, actually, sir, um, we, we, we use that oil, all of it, to keep the refinery going. God help us as members of the body of Christ, to go. The last two phrases in I cannot speak or send someone else is God simply saying, now go. Now go. Now go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.